Welcome to Professor Forever. I am the Professor Forever. This podcast is going to be sort of a continuation of the theme of my last podcast, which was titled Barsaholic, about my addiction to going to bars. This one is going to focus primarily on lesbian bars. So I need to make a preface. I want everyone to know that I am a jovial, friendly, kind person. Generally. And I'm not saying that to brag. I guess it could be a humble brag. I just know that these are traits of the person who I am at this time on this earth. I don't want anyone to think that I am bitter or that I walk around like a deflated Muppet like Tina Fey does or have a bunch of grudges against people or have a chip on my shoulder that I'm just daring people to knock off. None of that really fits me. It's funny, the rain is drizzling behind me, so I feel like if I were that type of person, this would exactly be the setting that I would love to use repeatedly. But the reason I'm giving this preface or this disclaimer is because it may seem when I offer my opinions here and back it up with some experience that I am against a certain type of person or that I feel like I have been treated unfairly and I'm whining about it. But I'm here to tell you that is not the case. I'm just telling it like it is. End of disclaimer. In 1997 or so, I tried out for a guest spot on Bill Maher's Politically Incorrect TV show. They were looking for people who had provocative opinions, not necessarily political. When I interviewed with the first team... They sent me on to the onstage interview with Bill Maher. My line 
or my opinion, my controversy that I was bringing forth was this. I am a lesbian who hates other lesbians, and I'm pro-death. There's a lot to unpack there, right? Of course, I made the line more dramatic than realistic because I was going for a gig. I don't hate other lesbians in a blanket statement, but I have found that my place in a lesbian world is very small. That, I'm speaking from experience, for that opinion. To get to the end of the audition process, I didn't make it, but it was interesting what the interviewers told me when they were telling me I didn't make it to the next round. They said, it's a very interesting opinion set that you bring here. The problem is we can't think of how people would argue with you. And, you know, his shows are very, they're argument-based. That's what the whole appeal of the show is. So I guess how can somebody argue with somebody who is pro-death? It's just like liking a type of burrito. (laughs) And I guess they figured nobody could argue with the being a member of a group that doesn't like other members of the group. I'm not sure now that I think about it, but when they told me that explanation for why I wasn't moving on in the audition process, I understood it. For those of you who may be new and maybe have not heard any of my background, I am a lesbian. I am a lesbian in the traditional definition. I am a person who is a woman who is attracted to women. This has not been an easy road for me, nor has it been for many people my age and older. Nowadays, you know, when I would talk to my students about gender and sexuality topics, nothing seems to phase them. They seem to accept people for who they are and base their likes or dislikes more on the action and behavior and soul of a person, which I think is fabulous. This hasn't always been the case. So my last podcast was about how I was addicted to bars. So of course, along the way, being a lesbian, I went to lesbian bars One bar that I went to in Columbus, Ohio, was a good bar. It was not a bar that put me in any kind of place where I felt unwelcome, which is what happened later in life at lesbian bars, but it was a nothing bar. Like, it wasn't a great bar. It wasn't a place where great things happened to me, as is the case with the bars that I talk about in the previous Barsaholic podcast. But I had a good time, and I made some friends, and I was able to forge some relationships there. Uh, One or two 
of which I would say are very important to me to this day. But when I got to Chicago was when I really started to realize that lesbian bars and me, the professor forever, do not mix well. Liquor and beer never fear. Beer and liquor never quicker. Professor forever and lesbian bars. Oh my God. Call the National Armed Guard. I don't know. I think that when lesbian and gay bars became a trendy thing to do, and I would say that was probably in the 90s, right around the time that I moved to the Windy City, uh, all different kinds of people went there. In my mind, I was so happy that there were more and more bars with gay people, because I had spent a lifetime trying to find ways to meet people that I might be able to date. I should say now, I am a lesbian, but I have had relationships primarily with straight, curious people. Or bi people, I guess. Or gay for the stay. And the stay in this case being in a relationship with me. I don't know if that has something to do with my attitude towards true, and I'm saying that with finger hooks, true lesbians. The fact that I didn't hook up too many times with true lesbians. By the way, I should say, I am happily married now for 20 years, and I am married to a true lesbian. So these other relationships that I had, which were important in the creation of the soul who I am, they were the ones that oftentimes weren't with lesbians. When I moved to Chicago, I was so excited. And I thought, oh, gay bars. There still were only a smattering of gay bars in a big city like that. I feel like when I lived in Columbus and I went to that first gay bar that had kind of a nothing active life with me, um, there were a lot of gay bars in Columbus, Ohio at that time. And when I moved to Chicago, I was surprised that there weren't more, but there weren't. But still, My favorite bar to hang out at, at that time, that season, to borrow a word from a friend, the season of bar going, the barsaholic season, my favorite bars were dive bars, where I would talk to men and old men who had just retired or who had just gotten off their shift. Men in bowling shirts. They were the group that I would head towards. I never had to put on any kind of front and we never had any kind of sexual tension, me and men at straight bars. It was awesome. I really enjoyed that kind of 
place at that kind of bar for myself during my barsaholic season. Lesbian bars, another story. Another background, a piece of background information that might be important for this story or this concept. I am a person who didn't mind rejection in a dating sense. I knew people who would woo someone and have this person, this idealized person in their mind for a long time. And when they finally had the guts to go up to this person and ask them out or talk to them, if they got any kind of signal that could be determined to be a rejection, they would be devastated for weeks or months until they built up the courage again to go and try again. I was never like that. I was a person who wanted to date and wanted to get jiggy with it. So I would look around and see people that I thought were attractive and I would go up to somebody, let's say at a lesbian bar, and if they turned me down, I'd go to the next person that I thought was attractive. And this did not daunt me that people would turn me down. Perhaps that was part of my problem at a gay bar. Maybe people saw me as an easy sleaze. I'm not sure. And I'd love for people to write to me on the Professor Forever page or whatever, or comment somehow on this podcast and let me know where I'm taking the misstep here in my opinion or my action. But I always thought, oh my God, I'm so happy that now gay people can go out and be out in public and have a place to go. Let's party. Well, that was the first misstep I think I made in lesbian bars. While I thought that creative, wild people should be celebrating that now they're free and they have bars, so I would like to go and drink. The couple of bars that I am thinking of right now that were active in Chicago in the 90s, they didn't like people to drink a lot. And I could never understand that. Why the hell not? Um, If I'm taking a cab away from your establishment, why do you care how much of your product I consume? But it seemed to me that because the lesbian bar was like a new thing and they were afraid maybe their reputation would be sullied or something. They really, it seemed to me, again, I have to keep saying that. This is my story. It seemed to me that they did not like lesbians who came to their bar to really drink. So that was one problem. I have said before that I am a person who has not conformed to anything. Why that happened? Who knows? Could have been the great tragedy of my life. Could have been just the way my genes were put together. I don't know. But I have never cared a hoot about fitting in with a societal mainstream. And maybe that's part of it too. Maybe lesbians that went to lesbian bars wanted to fit in to some kind of mainstream. And so 
by me walking in that door, I already was outside of this, oh, dare I say it, click. I'm sorry, but lesbians in the 90s, especially lesbians that were in groups that went to bars, seemed very clicky to me. And I was not in a lesbian click. I don't think I was in any click. But I feel like that was part of the problem for me of not fitting in, that I was not in a click. If you feel like I am somehow misrepresenting lesbians that went to bars in the 90s, please give me your argument. Give me your side. I went to a bar one time with my brother. People sniggered when we walked in. I ordered Budweiser for both of us. And the bartender said to me, no kidding. Okay, so there's another thing. I feel like I did not dress to the nines when I would go to bars, but that would have been not who I am. I, why would I do that? I would be misrepresenting who I was. And I wasn't really into fashion. I didn't have a lot of money. I would just dress the way that I did. And maybe this person and the clique around her thought that I was a farmer, that we were farmers. I'm not sure why she said, of course you want Budweiser. But it was a snap. And I did not appreciate it. So I didn't really find a lot of camaraderie in the lesbian bars. I did fare better at night when things were dark. And I guess people couldn't see that I didn't fit in as much. But in the day, forget it. Um, I wasn't involved in any sports at that time in my life. And of course, sports teams were also things that ran lesbian bars. But I also think this idea that I went there to have a good time and I went there looking for partners and I was not daunted by rejection. All of these things, I think, added up into me not liking the lesbian community in Chicago. The other places you could find lesbians, I guess, were at Whole Foods, I don't know, or groups, activist groups, right, which I never was drawn to. One of my relationships in college, when we graduated and moved in together, uh, that partner of mine started a women against rape chapter. And she so wanted me to be a part to be a part of it. And she did great things in the activist world. But I tried, but I just have never been a person who stands on a soapbox for anything. And I have found that that works for me quite well. How do you get people to like you? People that usually are against gay people for some reason, are homophobic for some reason. They get to know you, and then they figure out that you're gay. That has worked the best for me. 
not going around, I'm gay and you better like me and why don't you like me? And So I've never been an activist person. So besides gay bars, there really wasn't anywhere for me to go and meet lesbians. Okay, so they were clicky. They didn't like that I partied a lot. People thought I was out of touch with fashion. I remember this story in particular when it came to lesbian bars. And I think that this had just happened right before I auditioned for Bill Maher's show. It was the perfect quintessential example of what I was trying to say. I had gone to a beach on Lake Michigan. It was a very nice day. I had a day off. And there was this little child walking around, crying. She did not speak English. I said, hi, can I help you? And I was trying to help her, but I realized I could not understand her. But clearly, she had lost her family. So I got up, and we walked around together, me holding her little hand, walking up to families on the beach and saying, do you know this child? Is this your child? I guess I should have been very careful because somebody could have said, sure, she's my child, and then taken her away and done horrible things to her. But that didn't happen. We walked around for like an hour, and she calmed down. I made her laugh. I did a couple of things. We played in the sand or something. And then I just took her up to the lifeguard, and I said, I have been walking around with this little girl uh, for an hour, and we cannot find her family. And the lifeguard said, thank you for doing that. You can leave her here and I'm going to make an announcement and we'll put her somewhere safe until we find out where she belongs. Great. I left that beach and I went to a bar. The bar's name was Paris Dance. It was on Montrose in Chicago, right up the street from the beach I was at. I walked into that bar. It had just opened up. It probably was a Saturday. I don't know. And I was all amped up from my experience of helping this little girl or trying to anyway. And I sat down, I ordered a beer, and I started telling the bartender the story. And I was very excited. And when I get excited, I have a lot of movement and, you know, gesticulation. I'm sure I was histrionic, whatever. And I was telling her the story, telling the story. I drank my beer and then I said, okay, I'll have another beer. And you know what that bartender said to me? I think you've had enough. And I said, what? And she said, oh, I I think you've already had enough to drink today. And that was the first alcohol I had ever had. Now, dear listener, Put yourself into my shoes. How would you feel if you were very excited about something, went in, started telling a bartender this story, and then they cut you off and made you feel like you should leave that bar immediately? Which, of course, I did. I was, I could not believe what was happening to me. I think I backed up with my mouth agog. I couldn't believe it. I never went into that bar again. Another gay bar that I used to go into, the bartender 
used to take my money when they were busy, give me a beer, then come back up to me later and say, you didn't pay for that. I'd be like, what are you talking about? And if I turned to a lesbian sitting next to me for support, that lesbian would just tap the table and look at her nails. No support there. So what am I to think? What is a person to think? Are they to hate themselves in a group that they naturally belong to? Are they to change their ways? I really don't know. I don't know what other people would do. Me? I tried out for Bill Maher's show. And then I used that line as kind of a jokey line. I'm the lesbian who hates other lesbians. But I've got to tell you, in my lifetime, the lesbian has not been very kind to the professor forever. So I didn't have an addiction to many gay bars in my life. Let me say that. And it makes me very thankful for the bars where nothing happened, where I wasn't especially welcomed in, but I was certainly not ostracized and shoved out. If you know someone who is gay, who is a lesbian, who is a gay man, and they are your friend, and they want to go party, go with them or ask them, have a nice talk with them and say, do you feel like you fit in places? Because even though I didn't fit in, I was the kind of person that let that just roll off my back too. I mean, I am talking about it. So some little nugget of this issue stayed with me, but I did not go away and hate myself. I kind of moved on from one place to another. There are plenty of bars out there. The lesbian bar didn't have to take my money. And there's always love to be found out in the world too. But if you do have a friend that you think might be more sensitive to that kind of rejection, please talk to them. Please support them. Please make them feel like they are welcome. And if you have the audacity to go into a bar where you see a lot of cliquish behavior happening, you tell them the professor forever sent you and wants to know why. Why are they making people who already are on the line of difference, on a line of indifference, why do they have to seal off their own support into groups of their own choosing? Thank you for listening. Keep thinking. She's got no lessons.